2: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Squiggly Career Podcast from Amazing If. I'm Sarah Ellis and I'm joined by my Amazing If co-founder Helen. Hello,
3: I thought you were going to say my amazing co-founder then, I got really excited. (laughs)
2: you are are also my amazing co-founder.
3: Thank
2: you Sarah. We're here as always with our weekly podcast to help everybody develop the skills that we all need to be successful in our increasingly squiggly careers. I feel like I've had a very squiggly day today,
3: Helen. How I, about you? I'm okay, but it sounds like you might want to talk about it. How, how are you? Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> now's,
2: now's probably not the time.
3: <laughs> Maybe later. It's been,
2: it's been a very complicated day. I think squiggliness at its best as we often talk about can feel you know full of opportunity, rewarding, so diverse and I feel like there are these moments where squiggliness just becomes franticness. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, I don't know, the squiggle just becomes knotty,
3: maybe. It is um, quarter to nine on a Monday night. That's so I true. Think it, like, that is true. In context of that, I think it's okay yeah. to feel like it's the end of a long day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but thank you, everybody, who continues to listen to the podcast. We're getting more and more listeners every month, which we are incredibly grateful for. We're really proud of the podcast, and we're really hopeful that it's helping people with lots of different career topics. Please do keep submitting your ideas please do share the podcast, rate it, subscribe online. All those things really help us and mean that we can continue to do the podcast every week. And it might be quarter to nine at night, but the podcast is always my favourite part of a week. Me
3: too. (laughs) I am
2: very excited about the next hour. So we're actually going for, I think, quite a tough topic this week, but one that I think is relevant to all of us at some point at our career and probably in squiggly careers, this is going to happen more and more. And that's, how to ask for a pay rise, how to talk about salary, even how do you even approach those conversations because it's one thing that most of us don't feel particularly comfortable doing. It's really difficult to know where to start. So we've collated over the last week loads of hints and tips and ideas from things that we've done ourselves but also loads of colleagues friends who've all had loads of wisdom to share
3: as well very true and i think as somebody who doesn't like people saying no to them and as sarah <laughs> sarah who has a fear of conflict i think we could definitely say that we don't love going into these conversations ourselves so we definitely can empathize with you if it fills you with a sense of dread that you have to negotiate a salary but ultimately it's going to happen as sarah said at some point in your career there are going to be moments when either you're starting a job and you have to do it or in the job when you might feel that there's some kind of dis- between the pay that you are getting and the pay that you should be getting that actually having a few tools you might never feel really confident i will never love these conversations but i know that there are a few tools and actually a few more i've learned this week from listening to other people that can definitely make this a bit more approachable a bit more almost like a bit more plannable and so hopefully this can help you if you are either in the midst of it right now or likely to be in the near future So what we tried to do is
2: summarise and bring together all the various bits of advice and ideas that we've collated over the past week. What I would say is everybody has a slightly different approach or style to asking for a pay rise or talking about their salary. And I think the people I've observed who are most successful at this take kind of best practice and things that are really useful and then very much do this in your own way. So as you're listening to things we're going to talk about, just think for yourself, like what would work for me? what might not be the right thing in terms of my style or my approach, but inevitably recognise that this is going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, unless this is, you know, to me, you relish the opportunity to do, <laughs> in which case um, get in touch and tell us what you do, because we can share it with everyone. It, this is never going to feel like your kind of number one uh, kind of happy activity for the week. But, yeah, you know, I do feel there is a way to discover how to do this in an authentic way that that works for you.
3: And so we've collated five tips, all the feedback we've had this week, we've pulled it all together into five tips or five themes that we think will help you. And we're just going to talk through each one, what we've heard from other people, and hopefully bring it to life a little bit with some things that have happened to us and how we've applied that. And the first one, the first kind of top tip, if you're going about salary negotiations, is to be prepared, which I think, sounds really fundamental and really basic but it's so important because I think sounds
2: like with the girl guides be prepared and then be prepared,
3: be the prepared badge. do you know what I am it's so funny I, uh, I have two young children and I have a three-year-old who's obsessed with watching a program called hey Dougie this will this will be your world oh, in the yeah. future Sarah and they have like badges like like girl oh guides I've
2: watched such. that yeah. yeah
3: yeah so this is the uh, the be prepared badge yeah
2: <laughs> um, Dougie's a dog isn't he I have actually watched that it's so yeah. de- that is so depressing okay let's, let's move moving on, from on that. moving on yeah
3: but the uh, yeah so the be prepared badge this is all about I think going in with your eyes wide open and information at hand so that you can represent an ask for a salary raise or a pay enhancement or a remuneration package enhancement with some data so that this doesn't become an emotional ask and that you have some Validity to your ask. Most often, this is some external information about salary. There are lots of research reports where you can look at your role or your experience and compare yourself to that. It can also be through a process of looking at your job in other companies. You might set a benchmark from that occasionally this is not the way that it should be in companies occasionally it can be because you found out about a colleague's pay (laughs) um, which is is not supposed to be revealed and as a result of that you feel that there's some sense of inequity between what you're being paid versus what your colleagues might be being paid and so whatever it is this one is all about being prepared with that data to take the emotion out of it to support and ask for an enhancement of some kind sarah what what tips did you get from people around this so i think for the
2: bench Benchmarking one specifically, try and do a thorough job and take as many data points as you can. So I've actually had people come to me with information where it's clear they've looked at one job and maybe that job is in a different industry. Or actually, when you read the specifics of that job profile, it's actually very different to the job that that individual is doing. So I think here, this is where demonstrating you've taken some time and energy to actually do as thorough a job in terms of benchmarking as you can is really useful and, you know, don't necessarily always come up with round numbers, you know, like you don't, you don't, everyone goes around numbers, but you don't need to. So actually we put in intentionally a non-round number when we were negotiating for our house and it, it was fine. It worked. It worked really well. So I think just benchmark with as much depth as you kind of possibly can. And also it's OK to ask the organisation, do they have a process in terms of how to benchmark roles? What do they look at? Because... You know, the likelihood is if you're in a bigger organisation, they've done some of this themselves. If they've not, then that's absolutely fine. You've hopefully done some of the hard work for people. I think the thing that came up actually most consistently as you're thinking about preparing for these conversations was make sure you're coming for a position of strength. So when you're going in with this benchmarking data and you're going in to have this conversation, make sure you've done a brilliant job, basically. If you're not going in with a position of going, these are the things that I've delivered, in a very objective way, these are this is the value that I've added to the organisation, you're starting from quite a difficult place. If, if it's just a, I don't think I'm being paid enough, whereas actually if your starting point is, look at the value that I've added and you know I expect to be rewarded for that value, that's a very different style of conversation, I think. So that was actually one of the most consistent themes when people was like, okay, before you even start, be as brilliant as you can possibly be. And then at that point, then start going in and have these conversations.
3: I also think you need to, you may get some challenge and from someone it's very likely and hopefully some of our tips will help you to answer that challenge. But some of the challenge you might get is about your full package versus your salary. And I think that's mm-hmm. important as well. So if you're just negotiating, if you've seen a job that is X percent more money than you, wherever you have seen it don't forget to look at your package with your company in its entirety so that might be your salary plus maybe you get shares maybe you get a car allowance maybe you get a pension all of those things make up your full remuneration package and if you're not going into the negotiation discussing that then it's a very easy thing for someone to come back and challenge you because they might say oh you're talking about salary helen but actually if i look at your full package you're paid this much money and it can kind of take the wind out of your your sales if you're not prepared Mm -hmm. so just make sure you're adding you're kind of presenting like for like just make sure it is relevant to where you're coming from at the moment or somebody could just you know there's people that love data and they just like to (laughs) debate and then you can get lost in the debate about the accuracy of the data and you lose actually the meaningful conversation which is i think i should be paid more because of this reason
2: and there, I think you're distinguishing between pay package, as in the, like the amount of money that you earn over a year, versus some of the other benefits that you can negotiate on. So I think one of the things that we're recommending is that you separate those two things out, because of course there are other things that you can negotiate on, like flexibility or holiday or asking your company to contribute to training and those kind of things. But specifically there, what we're talking about is saying, just make sure that you're really clear about how much you are paid overall. And actually make sure you are clear about all your other benefits, because again, if a company is good at this stuff, they will have a really clear sense of how much all those other benefits
3: are also worth. I think a second tip is to consider the whole package so that it's a, you're not always just negotiating on salary. Have you had any experience you can share about when you have negotiated things other than salary as part of your package, successfully or unsuccessfully? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, actually it was probably one of the one of the best things I ever did was not get a job, ironically. <laughs> I was moving to London and I went for a promotion. At the time I was working in Barclay Card and I was moving down to London to work for Barclays and they offered me another job in the team, which was at the same level that I was already at. And there was an opportunity to get some salary increase, even though it was at the same level as, as part of that role, which was good. But one of the things that I had in the back of my mind was that I wanted to do an MBA. And so actually, I negotiated the company supporting my MBA as part of that move to London, That's kind of salary deal. So it meant I was paid a little bit more, but not not loads more. But actually, that MBA for me was worth its weight in gold, because I couldn't have afforded that for myself. As a company, I'm sure there are probably like some tax benefits or, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have cost them ultimately that much. But for me personally, it would have cost me a lot. I also demonstrated during that process that If they were prepared to fund me doing that development, I would take some of the days as holiday. I would invest the majority of my own time in that training. So it was definitely quite a lot of quid pro quo, but then it worked brilliantly for everyone because I was so positive starting that role. And actually the person I was working for then was the best person I've ever met, I think, at negotiating pay rises and just being really objective and clear about how you talk about you know, whether it's salary or training, and because she was so supportive and, you know, saying this is a completely sensible thing and Realistic thing, and of course, we have these conversations. It really encouraged
3: me to be confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of the tips today come from her. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also the in terms of the value, a, a say ten thousand pounds. Just take it cause it's a nice round number. A ten thousand pound pay. What did rise, we say about
2: round numbers? I, oh no, no sorry, no round numbers. nine thousand no, nine hundred
3: ninety-five pounds. But yeah. um, it, that paid to pay for a course is worth more to you than if it was in your salary as a bonus or a pay rise, because after tax, you're going to get a lot less than that. Whereas if it's direct on a course. You get more of the value. So it all yeah. depends, I think, on what motivates and, and, and drives you. I have been in a company before where it's really hard from a process perspective to get a pay rise, but it was a lot easier for me to tap into that training budget. And I think that is important as well when you are negotiating the whole package and that can be elements of it or you could go go for everything at the same time. Those pots of money are likely to sit in different places and some of them might be easier to unlock than others. So for example, I work in quite a big company now and we have quite a rigid process for how we do promotions and how we do pay rises. There are a couple of times a year that you can do it and essentially there's a process you have to follow. The process you have to follow for getting training is very different. It's much more bespoke. The money sits in a different pot. Who you have to influence is very different. And so I think it's just worth understanding if you're going to negotiate different elements of your package just worth understanding what the process is behind the ask because yeah, then brilliant. You, you can understand then i think how like how hard it's going to be if you're going out of process or out of cycle and also the different people that you might need to get on side to get to get it yeah. done yeah
2: i find the idea of salary transparency very interesting and i think there's pros and cons to it so who is it that publishes all of their salary data buffer Buffer, that's right. So if you honestly go onto Buffer's website, you can find pretty easily the people's names, exactly how much they're earning. And initially you think, oh, maybe it'd be really controversial. But then you look at it and think, oh, yeah, that all seems to make sense and seems fair. I'm really intrigued by whether that will become more of a thing over time. The one thing that I am adamant about is that I do think there should be full transparency on the process of how salary increases and pay rises, how that process happens within an organisation. And, you know, not to every minutiae detail, but actually to say, oh, you know, within our company, we do it twice a year. This is the process that we go through, just so that you and you understand. And I think those things are often almost unintentionally often opaque. And then it makes people feel even more uncomfortable. So if you're listening to this and you're, you know, leading a team or leading a company, see if that's something that you can get better at or can can you lead the charge on in terms of just helping people understand that. Because often when people understand they have a lot more kind of motivation to think okay well I get that and I don't mind waiting because I appreciate in three months time this thing will happen and I
3: know what I need to do to influence that. It's definitely something that I try to do as a manager I try where possible to give people transparency and it isn't easy because again I work for a large company and it's not that it's not transparent it's just it's very complex when we do promotions and bonuses it goes through so many different levels of approval and there are budget pots that it has to add up to that it's sometimes difficult to be transparent because that process is quite complicated but i personally i think it's really interesting salary transparency i i think i'd be for it i don't see yeah i think i would
2: until maybe someone then said okay well will you publish yours and i would be like uh
3: yeah sure i don't know (laughs) i think i would be okay with it because i kind of think well i understand why i have negotiated that and achieved that yeah yeah, we'll see we'll we'll publish it in the show notes no we won't yes yeah yeah
2: Yeah, no 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 no. i will actually get fired um What I think is interesting, I think it's Google that actually pay people based on role, the actual role that you're doing, rather than kind of the individual. And I think if you do that and you've sort of made that systemic in your organisation, I wonder then if salary transparency is easier. Because actually you've said, these are the roles that we have. This is how much we pay for these roles. Everybody knows that if you're doing that role, that's how much you're being paid for it. And you, that you kind of keep it very, very simple and there's less negotiation than I guess for people in terms of going, well, I've got 10 years experience versus 16 years experience. It's like, well, if you're coming in to do a certain job, then you are paid that same amount. doesn't matter whether you've got, if you've got it, then you're good enough, essentially. Yeah. So that's a, which I also am quite, I am quite for, I, you know, I don't, I think if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I don't always buy that you should get paid more just because you've worked for longer sometimes those people have more to offer, more capability, in which
3: case maybe they'd be in a more senior role. So it's fascinating I am with you. Okay. So we talked about being prepared. We talked about considering the whole package in terms of negotiation. In terms of how people are asking for whatever it is they want in terms of their enhancement, we've got a tip around being (laughs) confident. Enhancement. Enhancement. (laughs) Uh, Sounds very very formal. (laughs) What should I say? I don't know, pay rise? A bit more, but it's more than pay. I see it. Yeah. So that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Cause that's, she's, honestly, more, more mockery. More, more stuff. More stuff in your packet of stuff <laughs> anyway okay third tip which is around being confident so when you're going into these negotiations for more stuff exactly how you go in so that you can articulate what you want with confidence and therefore more likely to achieve the outcome that you're looking for Sarah, so you got some tips from people here didn't you about anchoring i think anchoring
2: yeah so anchoring is a negotiation theory or kind of pricing theory really about where you start is essentially the point that you've anchored on in terms of that's where you kind of start negotiating around. And so often where people start with their own kind of salary negotiations, you naturally sometimes undersell yourself because you are, you know, you're apologetic, you're not used to doing this. So you might start from a lower place really than actually what you're worth. Some people would say, right, work out what you think the average is and add on. 10%, 15%, 10%, 15%, whatever you think is a probably a number that's going to make you feel quite uncomfortable. But use that as your starting point and negotiate from there. You know, that that is one way of doing it. And I actually do know some people who've, who've used that technique very successfully. And probably their lower base point, in terms of the minimum they would accept, is quite far down or quite far away from that point that they've anchored on at the start. But they've given themselves a fair bit of room to manoeuvre. And then you end up ultimately, the theory will tell you, with a higher finishing point. I suspect if you do this and do this well, it means there's more back and forth, but that ultimately you'd end up with with more. Do you know what? I actually, I haven't really done this as an approach. I think I'm I, sort of probably naturally quite pragmatic and have a clear sense of what I think is fair, what I think I'm worth and kind of the value that I think I bring. And so I tend to articulate it more as kind of going... This is the value I think I bring if certainly if I'm going into a new job or a new company. This is what I'm going to deliver for you. And I actually give a salary band in terms of going my salary should be between X and Y. And what I think will be acceptable will also depend on these are the factors. And those are the factors for me are things like holiday and flexibility and those kind of things, because those things are very important to me. But I make sure that the lower end of that salary band is something that I would feel really comfortable with. I think if you're going to do that, the approach that I've just talked about, you've got to make sure that that lowest number is a number that you still feel happy with. If a company can offer lots of other stuff, why wouldn't they go a little bit lower and then go, oh, and we'll give you all these other things? Even then, if you think about it, I'm still anchoring because that lowest number is me anchoring, and so is the highest one to kind of go, "It's, it's got to be between there. And if they then start to try and negotiate loads below that, well I've then anchored it at a completely different point so it gives you a starting point I think know where you want to start know the minimum what you would accept in terms of where you want to finish if you do get kind of close to your minimum don't forget you were still happy with that minimum number you know sometimes you can be a bit distracted by going oh well I, I sort of started at a different place and I thought it would be loads higher if you do end up near your minimum because don't forget this is the minimum you, you thought in your mind you would be happy with that's still a really good result and don't don't be detracted from that and I thought that's
3: actually that's a really good thing to remember one thing to pick up from you said there is about know the number that you're going in with I think that is a really important point when I talk to a lot of people and I'm coaching them mentoring them or or managing them actually they will be a bit generic about what they want so they'll say oh I think I should be paid more money or I think I should have I think it's a bit unfair or whatever that point is but I think actually be really specific about the number don't just say 20% I would say it's exactly this number that I think I should be paid because I think it it makes it a bit more real it makes it a bit more tangible and it makes it more of a negotiation you can be a bit waffly when you're in the I think it should be about five percent more I think that you're much more confident when you go in with a number so totally agree with your point around having a minimum but making it a number and my second thing on confidence is for me at least I am far more confident negotiating when I start a job actually when I'm when I'm in a job I I don't I don't think I'm as confident there because I'm kind of like, oh, I'm in the system. I've got to to change the system, whatever it be. But I am super confident when I start a job because I know from experience that it is much easier to go in strong with your negotiation to get the best package that you can do then actually when you're in the company and you're sort of subject to all those processes. So I think take loads of confidence. If you're in an interview situation and you're at the stage when you're able to negotiate salary, you're in a really strong position. That at that point you're negotiating salary. They want you. This is the point at which you can take that data, you can break down that package into its constituent parts and negotiate each one of them, negotiate your holiday, negotiate an investment in your learning, negotiate your pension, negotiate your flexibility. You can break each one down. it's, I think the best point in your career when it doesn't look cheeky, mm-hmm. and and you know looking cheeky should not be something that stops you when you're in the job itself. But at that point when you're talking to HR, again it's often with HR and not the manager, which takes some of the emotion out of it. Gosh, I'm being difficult with the person I'm going to work for. But I think that's the point you can go really really strong with all of the elements. And my tip is to definitely do it because the best time. But also be specific around all of it. If you have been offered 24 days a holiday and you want 26, just be specific about each element. Because because you're just more likely to get it. And to Sarah's point, you know, anchor on every point of that, and then you can be negotiated down, or you might actually end up with the point that you started with.
2: And realistically, it is easier, I think, when you're going into a new job and a new company. So every time I've moved companies, I always think, is this a salary and a benefits package that I would be comfortable with for two to three years? I sort of have that kind of life cycle, life stage in mind because I do know and do think it's it's often harder to get pay rises. Certainly if you're staying in the same job, I think it's slightly easier if you're moving into a different department or obviously getting promoted within a company. But just imagine you're going into a job for a couple of years, which, you know, might happen less, I guess, for the squiggly career, but there'll still be a fair bit of that. And just think, if this was two years' time and I've got two years' worth more of experience... Would this still feel like an okay salary? Which is why I think you have to kind of push a little bit more on the basis of thinking, well, then I don't have to worry too much for like the next two or three years.
4: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: And so tip number four then is getting used to feeling uncomfortable. So get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. I I know very few people and very few of the people that I talk to for the podcast this week enjoyed this process <laughs> I think you'd have to be yeah, a bit of a glutton for permission to kind of enjoy the negotiation process for, for a new a new salary how do you get comfortable with these conversations or as comfortable as you can be
2: so a few things I think are really helpful one practice what you want to say before and try and do it in bullet point format so practice what you're gonna say in what order. Not to the extent where you're kind of robotic, <laughs> but just so that you kind of know, right, I'm gonna start by talking about, let's say you're in an existing role and you're going for a or you're going for a promotion, I'm gonna start talking about where I've added value and give specific examples. You know, I've moved something from this to this point and it's so much better because of the things that you've done and make sure it's about classic interview technique, what you've done, what you've delivered, you know, this is the time where you need to be really clear on the value that you've added. And then say, you know, and as a result of those things, I feel my accountabilities have grown or, you know, the value that I've added to the organization is in a different place to where it was 12 months ago. And I think that should be reflected in my salary. I've gone away and done some benchmarking information, benchmarking data, and I've got some information to share. Currently, I'm on this. I feel X would be a good salary that would reflect my, you know, what I'm contributing at the moment. Talk about anything else that's important to you and leave it at that. And it's really hard because I don't. I think very few people, very few managers can make a decision there and then. I don't think I've ever heard an example of someone just being able to go no definitively or yes definitively there and then. So don't have that expectation for that meeting. All you want to do in that meeting is go in, make your case. I always think it's like make your case round one, because often you have to make your case over a longer period of time or a number of times and then leave it. leave it with that person. So, it will always feel, I think, quite an unsatisfying conversation because it's not going to be that two-way. It's a hard thing to do. And if you can do this really well, don't have any of the conversations when you're trying to do this. So don't do you one-to-one with your manager and then go, oh yeah, in the last five minutes, I just wanted to have a chat about a salary. Do it as a specific meeting that's just about this, even if it just takes 10 minutes. You know, show some empathy. Say, you know, I don't expect you to be able to obviously answer this now, but I wanted to raise it. I'll give you some time to go away and Reflect, and I know you'll have to go and talk to some people. Can we pick up again this time next week? So I think just practice beforehand. Only do this conversation. Don't do any others, and don't expect to feel great. Don't don't expect for it to feel like a really positive thing. Of like, oh, I was brave and I did it. I think you often come away and go, okay, well that's, I'm proud of myself for even having the conversation. And you know what, let's let's see where it goes next.
3: I totally agree with you. I think when you build it up into one conversation, yeah. you it makes such a big thing in your mind. I think you kind of over formalize it when you're presenting as well. And I think that sometimes that isn't a confident thing to do. I totally agree with the My first conversation is I'm going to make the point that I want to have a conversation about this. And so I say, look, I want to give you a heads up that I've been doing some research on this thing. I want to talk to you in our next meeting about a salary. I'm going to bring some information, but I'm giving you the heads up now so that we can create the space for it in that meeting. And then in the next meeting, you have the conversation and then it might be, look... I don't expect an answer today when you think about it in the next meeting. Maybe you have the answer then, but I think if you approach it as a stage process in your mind, you don't build up each meeting into being this critical point of decision or failure. I I totally I have done that. Um actually around flexibility, asking for flexibility, which we you know we've done two podcasts that I think help on this point. We've done one on having difficult conversations and we've done one on flexibility, which in is potentially a, a benefit that you might want to negotiate. And I have done that myself and I've definitely treated that more as a A series of conversations rather than an expectation that I'm going to get an answer then and there, which can put your managers on the defensive and can make you a bit less objective about the ask because you can get a bit emotional when you don't get the answer you want then and there.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the other good tips that somebody said to me over WhatsApp, all these poor people who know me have had these WhatsApps this week about what would you do if you're asking for a pay rise? What have you done? And then they've all been asking their friends. So my WhatsApp looks really weird at the moment. It's full of like pay advice. Um, He was saying, don't forget, as long as you're good at what you do, your manager wants you to be happy. And actually it makes their life easier if they can keep you happy. And if one of the things that needs to change to do that is you need a salary increase, most managers will try to make that happen. Because actually, if you think about the cost of losing somebody, finding someone new, getting them in, getting them up to speed, you are worth your weight in gold versus that. doesn't matter how good a new person is. Actually, if you've got someone who's already doing a brilliant job, you you really want to retain those people. You know, there's always like those stats, isn't there, of like the cost of hiring someone versus retaining existing talent. And, you know, good managers will get that. So I think you often feel like, This is a them versus us type scenario. And actually, it's not. It's Some of these managers will have also had experience asking for pay rises. They will have been through the same process. So it doesn't make it necessarily comfortable, but it does help to just have that appreciation. And the one other book, really good bit of advice that that same person gave was, and I have heard this a few times, don't justify your pay increases based on stuff in your personal life. Which maybe sounds really straightforward, um, and you think, Oh no, I talk about my job. But I have heard lots of people say, Oh, you know, because my uh, childcare uh, is expensive. Childcare has gone, yeah, or, you know, I'm moving to a new house or just like other things outside of the job. And I think, if anything, that devalues what you can bring in terms of your job and what you're offering at work. So it's not that. You don't want to bring your whole self to work, but I don't think this is the time to start talking about, oh, you know, my commute has got more expensive because my train fares have gone up. That might absolutely be the case, but that's not the reason to ask for a pay rise.
3: Yeah, I don't think. I, I totally agree. It's often your internal monologue and I think you just have to edit that so that you've got um, yes. something that's a bit more objective in the meeting. Okay, so, so last tip then is around, this is an interesting one, be prepared to leave, don't bluff. Um, yeah. so, so this is the idea of maybe you've been offered another job and somewhere else you've been looking they've offered you a different salary and you're going into your current employer and saying i would like this salary i've been offered this salary and if i don't get it here i'm going to go i'm going to leave to this new job mm-hmm. and i think our our take and our advice on this is don't don't use that bluff it is if you're going if you believe that and that's what you're going to do fine you can play that negotiation card in whatever tone that you is appropriate to you but if you if you're not prepared for the answer of okay off you go, then yeah, don't yeah. play that card to bluff because it doesn't it doesn't show you up in a great light. It's not a confidence stance to do you don't you don't need to do that. We've given you some other tools today that are much more empowering confident, objective. the bluff card that someone might call and you might not be happy with the outcome. It just feels like a just i think I think it's a kind of a weak negotiation move
2: yeah it's a really tough one because I have had experience of people coming to me and saying. I've got a new job. This is part of the reason for leaving is salary. I would potentially be quite interested in staying. And I find it really difficult because part of me thinks, well, actually, you don't want people to get to that point before you have those conversations. So actually, as a manager, whenever that's happened, I've always been quite disappointed in myself. Uh, And I know that people, some people don't like to talk to managers about potentially exploring opportunities outside of their organisation, I am always keen to try and lead and create an environment where if people want to explore opportunities outside of the company, of course, that's the reality of Squiggly Careers. And I would much rather know as people are going through that process and I won't think... People will be like, oh, you think of me any differently. You know, I won't. I'll think that's the reality. And if one of those reasons is salary, actually, then you can have that conversation earlier. And actually, you can save people a lot of time because if genuinely the main reason is salary, but they're really happy otherwise... At least then as a manager, I want the opportunity to see what I can do about it. And sometimes you can't, you know, there isn't an endless pot of money in in every organisation. And sometimes by leaving, as we've talked about, you can genuinely increase your salary to an extent where a company just isn't in a position to match it. And I think that's absolutely okay as well. That is the real realities. But that's the point where whatever the individual has gone off to get elsewhere. So if you've done that, you've got to be really happy to go and do that job, obviously, because otherwise you could be in a position where you've sort of gone oh, but I thought you were going to pay me this. And then the organisation might genuinely be going, well, we, we can't do that because if we do that for you, then we have to do it for everyone and we want to be kind of fair. And then you're thinking, oh, I didn't actually want to go and do that job that much. <laughs> so I think it's just being fair and pragmatic. And if you're in the right kind of environment and you work for the right kind of person and with the right kind of people, if you can be transparent about that, you might even think about that process or you might even start exploring other opportunities. That's often a good signal to a manager of thinking, okay well let me understand like why and is there anything i can do and it gives you a good sense for how keen they are to keep you yeah. because sometimes you know maybe you have run your course with that organization and if you have and that's okay you know sometimes you either run out of roles or there's just you want to grow in a certain direction and the organization can't provide you with that that's it that's really good to know and actually exploring other opportunities can be the right thing for you and for the organization it can it can work out all around so again i just think that's a very grown-up approach to kind of the world of squiggly careers
3: and i think if it's your first point of negotiation it is probably too late because yes, the Sarah's yeah. point you, you know ideally you should have been having a few conversations as difficult as they are a few conversations about this beforehand because even at that stage it can be it can be tricky for managers to to unlock that that quickly for you but Sarah, i agree with you i think i would look on it as a failing of myself a failing that i had created a role where salary was the only thing that someone was considering you know like that, that i hadn't yeah. c- c- given someone an opportunity that was fulfilling enough for them to be thinking about salary and this and this and this in their context of what their value was um but also that i i that was the first that i would known about it but so whether you're a manager i think maybe try and create an environment where people can talk to you about their their full package i mean actually at microsoft we have a survey every year and you can see the movement year on year in terms of how happy people are with their package and of course you know people people always want more money but that can be a door opener to a a conversation you can say you know we've had a survey this year this has gone up or gone down you know what are your thoughts on this I think just having an open conversation you're not saying I can solve this for you but I think it is for an individual and a manager a good conversation to have. I always think just trying to make difficult conversations not difficult as a manager, whether it's because of the the culture that you create or because you start the conversation, is a really positive way of helping people to be open with you and be vulnerable with you.
2: So to summarise our top five, number one, be prepared, number two, be confident, number three, consider the whole package Number four, get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And number five, be prepared to leave if that's the right thing. Brackets at the yeah, end. Yeah, brackets, brackets. <laughs> a couple of resources that might be helpful for people. And actually on resources, quite a few people have told me they listen to the podcast while they're running, which I listen to like hardcore hip hop when I'm running and I don't even really like hardcore hip hop. So how you can possibly run to the sound of us sort of talking about pay rise, I'm, I'm very impressed. <laughs> but if you are running or not, Able to kind of write something down while you're listening, which I actually, when I listen to podcasts, I'm often like walking to work and stuff. We do post all of the resources. I say we, it's like the royal we, Helen does it. (laughs) Uh, I think, Helen, you post them under the link on Instagram. Is that right? It, I mean, it almost and sounds like Twitter. I don't help, but I do do some other stuff sometimes.
3: <laughs> she does lots of stuff. Yeah, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of an awkward way of doing it actually at the moment. So we do I do put all the links in all those places. Instagram's a bit tricky to click through, so I think actually I'd say LinkedIn is probably the easiest one if you want to get to resources. But you'll just need to follow or connect with Sarah and I to see that. We are in the process of updating our website. It's very exciting, and on the website when that goes live, we'll have a page for every podcast episode, so you'll be able to get kind of like a paragraph summary and then the resources links but that's a work in progress so in the meantime just follow us in any of those social places that we exist and each week you'll be able to get the links yeah
2: so for this week we found a really good article on something called 99u which is five real life salary negotiations and what you can learn from them so we'll post that and i really like it because it gives you specific case studies essentially of how much someone was earning how they negotiated it and also it kind of calls out some of the excuses that we all make for ourselves as to why we're not asking for a pay rise so you know you're blaming the industry or you're blaming timing or you know makes me feel anxious or you think someone else is going to make it happen for you so it's just an interesting quite practical
3: article that's a good place to start. And I've got one from the Financial Times. We, I guess you'd expect an article yeah. on pay and stuff on the Financial Times. But it features a lady called Heather McGregor, who is also known under the pseudonym of Miss Moneypenny. Very appropriate. Um, and she's <laughs> very appropriate. Uh, and the article is called How to Ask for a Pay Rise and Get It. Uh, and it has a couple of tips, actually, some some similar to the ones that we have raised. But there's just a couple of people in there that you can look up for more information. So it referenced um, Lindsay Cook from Money Fight Club, which sounds Ooh. quite interesting. Obviously, <laughs> it's got some stuff in there from Heather McGregor also references things like glassdoor which are really good sources for looking at salary benchmarking yeah. information so recommend that and the, and the last one i'd say as well sarah mentioned it earlier buffer.com if this whole topic is quite interesting to you i think buffer.com the way that they uh, share everything and talk about salary information and talk about how they've grown a business because they were you know they were they were a startup that's now grown is really really interesting particularly if you are i think a smaller business that is looking at your kind of principles of operation definitely advise you looking there
2: yeah so have a look at those and good luck so if you are going through this process yeah. at the moment and actually a few people who replied to me on whatsapp are actually going through it either right now or waiting to hear the outcome from it because i think inevitably a few people are always going through it at some point a well done always for asking it's never an easy process so you should always just feel proud of yourself at least making sure that you do it every time there is an opportunity and hopefully this has helped a bit and kind of helps you go well it was actually amazing asking people over the last week. I think between us, we probably asked 10 or 11 people that we know really well. I promised to keep it anonymous, obviously, because some people were actually going through these processes and collated all of these kind of hints and tips with our own experiences. And that has been incredibly valuable. So I would say the last resource is if you're about to do this, go and ask somebody who you think might have some good advice, maybe someone who's done it recently, particularly I think people outside of your organisation, but maybe in the same industry you know friends family people have some really good hints and tips because as we said at the start of the podcast everyone's done this at some point
3: and next week then let's let's kind of close up with this and so next week's topic is going to be on the lovely subject of grit we were talking about <laughs> we were talking <laughs> which about, sounds weird but... it does sound weird and we did have a debate about this as a topic but we think it is so important to squiggly careers when there's loads and loads of change that either you're you're driving or is in control of you actually the ability to have grit and see things through and show you kind of what you're great at becomes really really important and we're going to be talking about grit the book that was written by someone called angela duckworth who also has a great ted talk we'll talk more about that next week and then sharing some examples um sarah and i's careers about where grit has helped us to achieve more and then as ever giving you some more tips and more resources that can help you use grit with your Squidly career great
2: stuff thank you so much for listening again this week please do give us a rating on itunes share us with your friends and um, follow us on instagram and all the kind of different places and get in touch with us because we do love to hear from you we love your feedback we say it every week but honestly the messages that i get absolutely make my day um especially you know when you're recording a podcast at now half nine quarter to ten at night and then somebody a week later says oh that made such a difference or it really helped me so i hope If we only help one person get a pay rise out of this, I'll be very happy. That would be amazing. thank you so much for listening. (laughs) We'll speak to you all next week. Bye for now. Bye.